But now if you centered your design, say 100 ohms plus and minus 10%, mm -hmm. for instance, and you use the DKXY, the wrong DK. Um, but when you measure it now, it, it really wants to be DKZ, is the real DK. So I you've see. lost two or three ohms of the positive margin now. So now you really had a, you know, realistically, you've not centered it at 100. It's like 101, realistically. So now you only have eight ohms of margin left. And now you throw in your process variation, like a little overetch a bit, and, you know, the thickness is not right. You know, you could end up hitting the uh, violation line and they say, oh, scrap, or they call up and say, what do you want us to do with the board? Everyone, it's Judy Warner. Welcome back to this special edition of the Ecosystem Podcast. Today, I'm joined by EDICon presenter Bert Simonovich. Bert will be presenting next week on October 4th about an interesting subject that can help you avoid having pitfalls in regards to your impedance modeling and measurement. I think you're really going to enjoy getting this teaser of Bert's talk, and I will put the link in the show notes so you can sign up and go watch for free next week. Thanks for joining. Now let's jump into our conversation with Bert Simonovich. Hi, Bert. So good to see you, my old friend. It's been a long well, time, and I'm really excited to talk to you today about EDICon. Oh, hi, Judy. It's so nice to see you after so many years. Uh, I think it was four years ago, or maybe more now, since we saw each other at DesignCon. So always great to see you and uh, catch up. I know. So last year I was there, but I never, I was podcasting and never got out of my booth. I didn't see anyone. It was horrible. So this year, I promise we'll, we'll find some FaceTime. But in the meantime, why don't you share with our listeners who may not know you a little bit about your background and sort of the um, areas of interest you have? Okay, sure, Judy. Uh, well, I'm Bert Simonovich and, uh, I graduated from Mohawk College, and I'm an electronic engineering technologist. I'm a senior member of IEEE, and I serve on the DesignCon program committee and the Signal Integrity Journal Editorial Advisory Board. Well, I know you concern yourself with a lot of particularly board-level SI um, issues, so... First of all, I'm going to ask you a question that's mostly for me, but maybe for our listeners too. We're going to be talking about, here I go, anisotropic. Did I say it right? Uh, no, it's anisotropic properties. Anisotropic properties. Yeah. So yeah. will you please define for us anisotropic? Oh, what anisotropic properties mean is... Um, the material property electrical performance is uh, different depending on the axis, ax, axes, uh, X, Y, or Z axes. Um, and particularly in printed circuit boards, it's related to how the electric uh, fields are um, orientated toward the uh, PCB laminate. So printed circuit board laminates are made of fiberglass and uh, resin, and they're measured by uh, the uh, fabricators. They have um, different test methods, over 13 different test methods they could use. And depending on the uh, test method, the electric fields 
are either in plane with the um, fibers, the fiberglass um, in the dielectric, and or out of plane, perpendicular to to the fibers. So the implication is transmission lines like to have the electric fields perpendicular and the DK measured in that way we call a DKZ um, mm -hmm. for it. Um, other test methods have the E-fields running uh, in plane with the dielectric material. So we denote that as DKXY typically. Um, okay. So DK is the effective permittivity of the material. That's most one of the most important parts uh, to get your impedance modeling right in your uh, uh, 2D field solvers, for instance, or any of the uh, EDA tools trying to do impedance. Uh, dielectric constant is integral part of that. So, you know, it's an important uh, uh, thing to consider when you're doing your modeling, serial integrity modeling. So I have a question about that. Um, it's my understanding, don't don't the um, laminate manufacturer provide those models? And, and what is it that you're noticing where there may be some mismatch? Oh, yes. So typically board shops, um, they work from construction tables provided by copper clad laminate suppliers, CCL suppliers. Mm -hmm. And for years, they just take the DK and DF values from there. They use that for, put it into a 2D field solver to predict the impedance when they do their stack ups. Mm -hmm. And then they, that defines the line width and space, all the things that's involved in the stack up. Right. So because DK is important, if you use uh, the wrong value that's been measured, um, your impedance will be wrong. Fortunately, most laminate suppliers measure the laminate for the, in DKZ or uh, out of plane. And okay. for the most part, uh, you know, the impedance will come out right, should come out right. The line width is right, everything should come out right. But uh, now there are some laminate suppliers, Asian ones, they use what they call split post dielectric resonator and it's a simple test and by the way th these IPC tests are really designed for quality control they're not designed to provide accurate numbers really for signal integrity or anything like that you Got know it. and they state that in their construction tables but okay. generally they're they're good enough to do your impedance uh, for it so when they do the uh, the stack up okay design, they, uh, the uh, DKZ is, is there. So some lamina suppliers, I say, they use XY. If you use those numbers, uh, when you do your uh, characteristic impedance modeling, after you build the board, if it was made exactly as the stack up, like no process control, your impedance will end up being higher right. when, you, when you measure it. So, and so this is what you're going to be talking about specifically is yeah. you've been researching this dynamic, yeah. specifically looking at 
all those variables. Right. And the reason I started doing it is helping clients. I've experienced that. Like, why are my impedances wrong? Because we're using a different laminate uh, that's measured in XY. And when you start drilling down into it, then you realize, oh, there's anisotropic effect in there. I see. So, so you've been researching this, Bert, from what you told me before our podcast. You've been researching this because you saw it. You you have a consultancy, and you saw this happening with clients. And right. so you started following. You went down this rabbit hole and started finding these unusual effects and, and why. And so you're going to do a 25-minute talk. Um, right. You know, what else did you discover along the way of digging into your clients' problems with um, anisotrophic effects yeah. and the different ways that, you know, in-plane, out-of-plane, you know, whether it's X, Y, or Z access. So you're saying that if you just go with IPC specs in your board manufacturer, but you have a desired outcome for signal integrity purposes, they're not going to line up. IPC spec uh, for the TDR measurement is 20 years, let's just say it's 20 years, uh, the last revision. 20 years ago, our uh, line widths were wider, typically five, six mils type of thing. Mm -hmm. We're using one ounce copper, um, and our dielectric material was pretty lossy. FR4 was pretty, pretty much it. It was yeah. pretty glossy. Uh, when the board shop, when they designed the stack up, they used a 2D field solver to do the impedance. Mm -hmm. A 2D field solver is uh, a lossless calculation. It's not lossy. So, but when you do a TDR measurement, it's a lossy measurement defined by the IPC. And mm. basically, um, when, if you ever looked at a TDR measurement on a screen, you see it starts off on the left-hand side and then has a slow, gradual rise. Uh, and that's caused mainly by the DC loss of the, of the trace, you know, mm -hmm. upper loss. Couple that with the, the um, very low-loss material we're using today. That slope is fairly steep. So today we use very narrow line widths, like three mils, pretty narrow half ounce copper, and as I say, the dielectric material is very, uh, you know, is low loss, very low loss. Right. Well, the low loss also helps uh, to flatten that, or the higher loss helps to flatten that curve. So 20 years ago, you know, even though there was copper loss and everything, the higher loss mm -hmm. material tended to flatten it. So even though it was a lossy measurement, where they measured between 30 and 70%, you know, that's why you had your tolerance of 10%. Everything mm -hmm. was pretty close, and mm -hmm. you're, you could build boards and not have an issue. But today, as I say, with the low-loss material and the thin line widths, um, that has that rise. So without anisotropy, you could have a problem in the process variation. The real impedance you want to measure is down near the beginning of the TDR plot at the start. That's really will match with what you've predicted. If you're measuring up there and it's violating, 
it's not truly the measurement. But, you know, we've been used to that and things generally work okay. But now if you centered your design, say 100 ohms plus and minus 10%, mm -hmm. for instance, and you use the DKXY, the wrong DK, um, but when you measure it now, it, it really wants to be DKZ is the real DK. So I you've see. lost two or three ohms of the positive margin now. So now you really at a, you know, realistically, you've not centered it at a hundred. It's like a hundred to one realistically. So now I you only see. have eight ohms of margin left. And now you throw in your process variation, like a little overetch a bit. And, you know, the thickness is not right. You know, you could end up hitting the uh, violation line and they say, oh, scrap, or they call up and say, what do you want us to do with the board, you know? So generally, then we look at it and say, oh, no, it's down here, so it's okay. Uh, but if you use the right DK, then you would center it properly and things would be right. So that's the one problem for SI is the impedance for the traces. But there's another issue now uh, with VIAs. Vias go the opposite. They go in the Z direction in. Correct. So the DK it wants to see when you model is really DKXY or in plane. So mm. if you only use one number for DK, one or the other will be wrong. So if oh you use DKZ for the transmission line, that'll be right. But the VIA will be inaccurate, the model. And vice so versa. That's really interesting. So, Bert, I'm wondering why you notice it now. Like, like I'm assuming well, it's speed or frequency or something that's driving it. Like, like you said that when the spec for IPC was made 20 years ago, it sounded more forgiving. So, well, what's driving this, and what made made you come across this? Okay, good point. 20 years ago, also was uh, bit rates for one gig serial lengths. <laughs> Today they're a hundred gig. Yeah. Right. The order of magnitude difference. And at a hundred gig, well fifty-six gig even, but a hundred gig, everything matters even more. Yeah. And you know, that's the problem. So in the past you probably had enough margins and things, mm -hmm. but today those margins are eaten up. And it involves accurate modeling. You need a sharp pencil today. Right. That totally makes sense. Everybody's people, saying it. Like, yeah. everybody's saying right now, Bert, that the way people are framing it to me on the podcast anyways, is that as these speeds increase or the frequencies increase, we think we're just going to sort of scale or something. But the actual rules of thumb don't apply anymore. Like, we need new. Yeah. Not today. You need yeah. accurate modeling. Accurate modeling, right? Which is, I can't tell you, in the last month, probably the last three podcasts I've done, they've talked about this, modeling, the problem with models. And now, I mean, we were talking about the models of chips and different package speeds, this and that and the other thing. But this has to do, you know, it's a board effect, right? Because you have this laminate that's constructed in a way, and the electrical fields are moving through the laminate. <laughs> so I could see how it would be overlooked. Um, okay, so you're going to go more ahead. More importantly as well is um, 
is with the EDA tools that we have today. I see. Not a problem with it. Um, EDA tools are accurate as what you put into it. They're very good. They're yes. solvers, yes. everything into it. But now if you think about it, many EDA, EDA tools are moving toward this uh, AI stuff, like making it easier, push button things, uh, get results. You know, feed it your layout. It'll extract it. You know, if your stack up's got numbers in it, it'll give you answers. Well, now, but are the answers right? Right. So <laughs> now if your tool doesn't allow for anisotropic effect, what DK does, which part of that channel to use? It'll just pick the DK from the stack up that it imports. Right. But that's one DK. You need right. two, basically, or to know the anisotropic effect of the material so you could put into a tool. And not all the tools have that capability. So this is just one thing to be aware of as well. You know, when you're doing that extraction, to think about that and uh, see if your tool has that capability in it. You well, know, this to is fascinating. I think this is going to be really valuable. Now, I know you're doing, um, do you have a date that you're presenting at EDICon? Yes, it's uh, October 4th. Um, oh, okay. I think it's in the afternoon after lunch. Okay. Not sure of the time. They have it on okay. the link. The schedule's yeah. there. And uh, yeah, that's the first session of October. And uh, yeah, I'm doing it then. Well, I know because I've talked to Pat Handel at SIJ and I've talked to Ben Dan and also they're giving you a whopping 25 minutes, right? Because the online... Um, you know, attention spans, like we're all burned out <laughs> right. with webinars and stuff. So you can only get so much in. So as I understand it, you're going to give a 25-minute talk on the subject, hopefully give engineers some um, ways to manage this more effectively and yeah. be aware of it. And then, um, but you're going to be doing, like I think of this as a primer for a much larger presentation you'll be doing at DesignCon. Um, That's right. So can you tell us a little bit about how far you are? I mean, maybe you're not done with that presentation yet, but, um, you know, the length of time you're going to have and, you know, just tease up a bit of DesignCon as well. And we can have another yeah. conversation before then. Yeah. So for EDICon, really it's, it's like you say, it's a primer. Um, but in order to understand anisotrop anis. See, I can't say. It. See, now I screwed you up, Bert. <laughs> to understand anisotropic effect, you have to under, really understand how boards are fabricated, uh, but not just from uh, the PCB shop. I'm, I'm going to start off from really um, from raw materials, showing like, you know, you get the glass fibers, how you mix it, and really how you know, take you through that little bit of a journey as a bit of a background to get you on a baseline. Then when I start talking about the anisotropic properties and what that is, the physics about it, you'll have a better understanding with it. Right. And then I'll so show some mm -hmm. examples, just quick examples of, you know, especially of a via, if you use the wrong number, uh, based on the anisotropic uh, properties of it. Uh, just the impact of the V impedance and what the implications could be uh, in terms of, say, for 112 gig, 
we have now this calm uh, metric that we can use, uh, you know, channel operating margins, which spits out, you know, DB margins and things. But one of the big new things for 112 gig is there's an uh, effective return loss number that uh, you strive to get. And if you get the wrong impedance, it affects your return loss coupled mm. with your insertion loss. There's that logarithm that uh, real smart people figured out and it's in the uh, the tool. But, you know, I just show just simple anisotropic a few ohms difference. You reduce that margin that you have now. Doesn't mean it's going to fail. Just means you're losing some margin. And if you're on the edge already, then yeah. that would push you out. So that's the V effect. And then I'm, I'm going to talk about, uh, show an example for transmission line, uh, you know, what it would be. So it's really a kind of an intro type of thing. Uh, give a bit of background. Um, as I say, I'll be doing design con and I'll be digging uh, deeper into, into it. And I'll actually, I've come up with an actual uh, a heuristic method working from the construction table to come up with uh, a number that you can use. So if you know how that dielectric was measured, I have a simple correction factor that can give you a, a, another DK that it's not perfect. That's what heuristics is, but it'll give you a better answer than if you use the wrong number. So I'll be really going into that detail, uh, explaining that. And that's really the meat and potato of DesignCon um, for it. You know, that but, sounds uh, so great, especially yeah. for me as a, you know, ex-board fabricator person. You know, I think people, I know I've actually done talks about that when I was teaching RF engineers about boards, just showing them what things look like you know, before and after processing and being able to give them that visual and give them a sense of what that is really has, like, people are like, thank you. <laughs> you know, they really appreciate it. So I think you laying that groundwork at DesignCon will be really, really valuable. Yeah, well, what, to pick up on that one one point, it's also important for, uh, I'm fine, a lot of times I mentor some new grad type things, mm -hmm. uh, young engineers. And, you know, coming out of school, they don't have the PCB mm -hmm. background. Nobody And the does. one thing that well, has helped me all my mm -hmm. life was early in my career, I was lucky enough to actually learn how to do PCB layout. And then throughout the career, you learn mm -hmm. a bit more about PCBs. The biggest thing that can help any young engineer, regardless of the field, doing layouts or signal integrity, whatever, is understand board fabrication, what everything does. And if you understand those little nuances, it helps you throughout. So, you know, I've given this kind of presentation to people before, and they found it really valuable. They finally mm -hmm. got the, uh, you know, the that light bulb. moment, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. and said, ah, get it, right? Yeah. So I think uh, it's useful, even though it might be repeated and other people may have seen parts before, others may not have. So I think it's quite a valuable um, intro for, for some of it. And, uh, you know, then they said, half of the problem with 
is that what you don't know, you don't know. And I'm yes. always that way and have been yeah. as well. But once you know you don't know something, then you can go find out more. Right. So You don't even uh, know what to the, look for, which sounds like the thing yes. that you're teaching on is absolutely sort of off the radar of people's awareness, which is really exciting. And I'm really glad you did this research. I think it'll be really valuable, Bert. So, well, good luck to you at EDICon. Um, for our listeners, um, Bert, by the way, has won best paper more than once at Design Con. He yeah. is an amazing researcher, always um, people love to learn from him. So I, I will put it in the show notes, but he writes articles for Signal Integrity Journal. He'll, of course, be at Design Con at EDI Con. Um, Bert, if you let me, I'll share your LinkedIn profile. And he's always putting great articles up and things that I think can really help you in your career. So make sure to plug into Bert and all the, all the great uh, materials he's putting in and, um, and I'll put the links below also to EDI con and then I'll, I'll arrange to have him back before design con. Bert, thank you so much. I'm very excited to, to yeah. learn and, and now I'm going to go sign up. I don't know that I signed up. I signed up for a few sessions, but well, I'm definitely to go sign up for yours. Now I'm, I'm really intrigued by what you've shared. The nice part is, is if you sign up, you can, it's going to be recorded so you can watch okay. it. Yes, this is true. And I've mentioned it before to the listeners, but I'm going to mention it again in case they didn't hear my other podcast is Pat Handel told me that if you attend in person, IEEE will give you continuing engineering credits for it. That's correct. But if you watch it, because that's their rule. If you correct. watch the recording, you can't get the certificate, which doesn't matter which one you choose, but I want you to be aware that if you are wanting to apply for those continuing ed um, credits, that you are going to want to put it on your schedule. Again, Bert, thank you so much. It's so good to see you. And um, Same here, Jerry. Best of luck on your continued research and EDICon. And um, hopefully we'll see each other and I won't cram my schedule full. And I'll be able to see your face, my friend. It's been way too long. It's silly. I know. Same here, Judy. Good to see you. Good to see you. For our listeners, make sure you go check out the show notes, the links that Bert and I have talked about. I'll put them all below so you can go tap in. Um, by the time this is published, you know, we'll be right on the heels of, of um, EDICon, which is held every Wednesday in October for partial days. So it's really manageable. And like Bert said, you can you can either watch it live or get the recording once you've registered. And so go over and grab that. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us this week. Until next time, remember to always stay connected to the ecosystem. Mm -hmm.